Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's discuss it now with Paul Kershaw, UBC professor, founder of Generation Squeeze. And I'm very pleased to welcome Paul back to the show. Paul, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Okay, Paul, let's start with this sort of breakdown of the budget by age demographics. You've done some interesting analysis on this, like the spending, where does it get target? Which age groups benefit the most? Talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, great question. And so a lot of your conversation so far today has focused, and appropriately so, on the deficits that have been projected. And when we add up the deficits over the next three years, that's going to add $2,500 of additional debt per person under the age of 45. Uh And so you're like, okay, maybe that's okay if we're investing a bunch more. We're running these deficits in order to invest in things that really matter for a younger demographic. But when you break the new spending down, it becomes clear that British Columbians over the age of 65 are going to receive $3,100 of additional investment, whereas younger uh, British Columbians will only receive 1300 Put differently, older folks are getting two and a half times more spending from this budget uh, than our younger British Columbians, all the while we're adding deficits that are driving you know, further debt costs onto younger folks. That is a significant generational tension and does beg the question, are we collecting enough revenue to do the things that an older demographic wants right now? And are they contributing fairly? Okay, that's a very interesting analysis. So let me ask you how you, how you come to these numbers and the, and the bottom line there. When you talk about the spending per capita on, let's say, British Columbians who are senior citizens, 65 plus and older, significant difference there from the younger, younger British Columbians, as you described. Is that like mostly like healthcare spending? Because people who are older British Columbians are obviously consuming more healthcare services. You can't blame them for that. No, no, you can't blame them for that. You're right that it, medical care is the driving factor. There's data from yeah. Stats Can that allows us to look at who uses what services. And so right now in BC, uh, those over 65 are 20% of the population, but they use 46% of our medical care services. You're right, you can't blame them for that. It's a reality of becoming older, a, a biological frailty that is part of the human experience and will need more care. But what we can talk about is why have we never had a conversation with our older demographic about did you pay enough during your working lives in taxes to cover the cost of medical care you now want to use? And the answer to that is no. That's a hard truth to share. But the answer to that is no. And, you know, I've just heard a a, a listener at the end of your last half hour say, oh, you know, taxes are killing us. Um, But that person is likely going to be wanting to draw because he's mentioned he's on OAS. So he's drawing on OAS taxes and he's wanting to use medical care, I suspect, at a certain point. And those things cost money. And right now we're pushing the bills for that to a younger demographic and then crowding out investment in the housing, child care that they like. Well, so you're saying to older British Columbians uh, who paid taxes all their lives, all their working lives, they didn't pay enough taxes? Really? Yeah. 
So when baby boomers came of age, there were seven workers for every retiree, and that resulted in their paying about 5% of their taxes towards the medical care for retirees. Today, there are fewer than four workers for every retiree, and without substantial immigration, soon there will be fewer than three. And already we have a younger demographic contributing 10% of their taxes, twice as much as baby boomers, towards the medical care of the aging population. Now, that'd be great if the younger demographic was doing so fabulously. But we know they're the people that have been harmed by higher home prices, whereas those who got in the housing market some time ago have been benefiting. They're the folks that have seen their earnings flatline compared to people in the past. They're the ones starting with more student debt and paying more to go to school for the privilege to land jobs that pay less and less often have extended health care and benefits and pensions. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that, because I, I do feel for younger people, if they're starting out, I mean, they got a young family trying to break into a housing market, and they're being told, you know, just stop drinking so many lattes and you know, cut back a little bit and you'll be able to afford a down payment. Well, I mean, you take a look at the housing costs and how much it consumes a percentage of your annual income to afford a mortgage. I mean, it's just gone off the charts, right? I mean, it is it is tough. It is unfair in many ways for younger people. So let me ask you about that. So let's talk about yeah. younger people and you stand up for them all the time. So what is in this budget for younger British Columbians? What, what about child care? I mean, I hear the government patting themselves on the back all the time about, about child care spending. So the NDP government deserves credit for leading on $10 a day child care, especially some years ago. Interestingly, in this budget, uh, one of the reasons that spending doesn't grow more per younger person is that the this budget doesn't actually inject more provincial dollars to like really rapidly ramp up the money we have available to make ten dollars a day childcare available to more people and to attract the professionals that we need to uh, grow those spaces. So that's I think a little bit of a warning sign. And we you were talking earlier with, uh, with two MLAs who were saying we needed more money to pay family physicians so that we would attract them and retain them. Well, that, right. that's costing 150 grand in gross costs per family physician. You know, we're not even talking about whether or not we'll find a few thousands of dollars to improve the uh, remuneration for childcare workers who typically get paid little more than parking lot attendants. Okay, let's talk about housing, which is another one that's right in your wheelhouse here, Paul, for for younger demographics. So you've come up with a lot of ideas for on housing. What did you see in this budget yesterday for housing? Well, insofar as a younger demographic is increasingly locked out of home ownership, because remember, you know, when boomers started, it took five years of full-time work to save a 20% down payment to be flash forward to today, and now it takes 22 years. That's locking right. so many more people out of home ownership, so rental becomes important. Groups like the BC Nonprofit Housing Association and the Cooperative Housing Federation of BC would say that the $500 million they've recently received to protect existing affordable rental housing stock is one of the most significant investments in their sector ever, so that's positive. Um, we did hear about the $4.2 billion in additional money to try and grow more affordable spaces. Some of that is going to be used to double the number of Indigenous housing uh, units, and that's actually meeting the exact request made by Indigenous housing stakeholders. For those who are most marginalized, we have to celebrate that after 16 years, we actually increased the shelter allowance from $375 a month to $500. It's still low, but that's a big change compared to previous policy, and and I want to applaud the provincial government for doing that. But here's where I will say they really dropped the ball, and it's actually in what they said in the budget speech. And I would encourage you to play this over today if you have a chance. The finance minister said that the housing system has been working well for bankers, investors and speculators, but badly for everyday British Columbians. 
And I just think that's wildly inaccurate. I'm a homeowner in BC who's been a homeowner for over 18 years, and I've been made wealthy. Well, I've been sleeping, watching TV, and cooking in my home because skyrocketing home prices have increased my wealth. That is actually a common experience because the majority of British Columbians are homeowners, many of whom have been doing so for some time. And if we can't have this government, led by a premier who's one of the boldest housing ministers we've seen in some time, actually be honest that high and rising home prices have benefited many of us, we are never going to solve the unaffordability problem, and we won't address the housing wealth inequality. Okay, so therefore you... Return to your argument that for people who are sitting on a mountain of equity like yourself, you've been very upfront about the, the value of your own home. How much is your house worth, do you figure? BC assessment tells me it's near $2.4 million now. $2.4 million. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I have so, about a million into it, so that's a lot of wealth windfall for me. Right. Okay. So you're not alone. There are the people who are fortunate enough to own a home. Um, yeah, they're sitting on, on, on a lot of equity. Now, so you therefore make the argument that that should be taxed, right? Like if someone's sitting on, on a mountain of, of, of valuable property, they might not have a lot of high income as, as, a, as a senior citizen or a pensioner, but they're living in a house they own. They should what? They should pay. You definitely had me on, and today we're talking about the budget. You won't see that announcement in this budget. That's my position of this particular government. I, you know, and I'd be happy to push them. I think they should do more. I'm happy to debate that with you at any time you like. And you've brought me on many times. I think I get lots of angry phone callers when I do. But here's the fact: (laughs) no one can deny that high and rising home prices have benefited some of us. In fact, many of us. And if we can't actually have that honest conversation, then we can't ask those of us who have benefited to say. How might we be able to lean into figuring out what the heck the solution is? You may not like my tax proposal. Fine. But then what are the other ways that those of us who have benefited can contribute to addressing the harm that we are causing many of the people we love who are younger of us and newcomers of any age, especially as we're bringing many more immigrants into the province than in the past because they, we want the workers to pay for the uh, medical care and old age security that our aging population needs. And they're going to get creamed in our housing market, not to mention add demand that's going to drive up costs for younger folks. Okay. Paul, it's always great to get your point of view on it. Thank you for coming on today. My pleasure. Have a great day. Okay, thanks a lot. Paul Kershaw there, UBC, founder of Generation Squeeze.